Welcome to Equipping the Body. I'm your host, Dr. Brad Storns, and today we're going to be continuing our sermon series through the book of James. And so um, I think you'll enjoy today's uh, subject, as it were. We're picking up in verse 14 and going through verse 26, Lord willing. We're looking at this idea that a dead faith is really no faith at all. A dead faith is really no faith at all. This is one of the most controversial uh, portions of the New Testament, um, definitely the most controversial portion of the book of James. In fact, uh, it's so controversial that, that Luther, uh, although people like to leave this out, he eventually changed his mind. But in the beginning, uh, Martin Luther, he, he just could not deal with the book of James to the point that he felt that it was a mistake to include the book of James in the New Testament canon. Now, again, people always like to go after Luther and say, well, you know, he didn't believe the book of James was inspired. That, that's actually not true. Uh, he repented of that and um, eventually changed his opinion. And secondly, let me say this, Martin Luther never denounced inerrancy. He, just, he believed Scripture was inerrant. He just was unsure of what was Scripture and what was not for a time in his life. So we need to be a little graceful, um, certainly before we condemn somebody that lived in a different culture and a different day, especially when who among us has never had a doubt about our faith. And if you, if you have never had a doubt about your faith, and you might want to consider if that faith is worth having. But besides that, let me jump into this. Our, our, our great... Uh, Baptist movement and even the Protestant movement overall was founded on the five solas. And one of those solas today we're going to look at, and that's sola fide, faith alone, faith alone, okay? And we love to quote Paul's words to the church at Ephesus, do we not? We love to say, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Man, I love that. That's the truth. And we love to quote that. We also uh, like to say it in our own way. Just believe. You know, ju just believe. I mean, and we say, well, Dr. Storms, isn't that biblical? I mean, what did Paul tell the Philippians jailer in Acts 16.31? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. But now some groups... Not us, but some groups maintain, for example, the Roman Catholic Church, that it is a mixture of faith and works. And I'm not going to get into, you know, how much faith or how much works. I, I, I'm not a Catholic. I don't care. I don't believe that. But they believe in some way uh, that it's some mixture of the two, some percentages of the two um, that has to deal with the idea of, of salvation. And other groups teach uh, that if you don't um, produce good works, that you can lose your salvation. Or they may say, well, we don't believe you can lose it, but if you don't do good works, you, you're not maintaining it. And so they, they change the language, but in effect, it comes down to this. Uh, they don't believe that faith alone saves alone, okay? And that, that's the bottom line, okay? Uh, especially in the denominations that ascribe to Arminian theology, uh, such as you know, UMC, uh, various Methodist groups, um, various charismatic groups and Pentecostal groups, 
Um, I'm sure that some of them do believe in, in eternal security, but in my mind, and I've read the doctrinal statements because I don't like to ever, you know, put words in somebody's mouth, but I've read the doctrinal statements of like COG, uh, COGIC, Church of God in Christ, AOG, Assembly of God, uh, COGOP, Church of God of Prophecy, um, and I've read their statements of faith, Free Will Baptist, um, and their statements of faith do concur that they believe you can lose your salvation. Though uh, I had one tell, well, I don't believe that. He said, but if you don't maintain your relationship with Jesus, you can go to hell. And I said, so, sir, in other words, you lose your salvation. Then he got mad and didn't want to talk anymore. But anyways, um, and, and, and we're not here to throw shade on them. I, I'm just telling you, this idea of salvation, is it faith alone? Is it faith plus works? People who claim the name of Christianity have been arguing about this for hundreds of years. That, that's all I'm trying to tell you. So now let me lay my cards on the table. Um, I fall in the line of the historic Protestant position. Uh, you could call it the historic Baptist position. Um, I would call it the New Testament position that once saved, always saved, and the question is not, did you lose it? The question is, did you really have it in the first place? And I believe that's James' point here, is not that somebody had faith and lost faith, but that their faith in the first place was deader than 4 o'clock in the morning. So I'll reveal that. So um, I believe, now, back to Luther. Luther said, well, this, you know, James and Paul, they don't agree because James is saying works and Paul was saying faith, faith, faith. And, and I would say, no, no, James and Paul absolutely agree. They're saying the same thing from two different perspectives. Okay. Remember what Paul said to the church at Corinth. Said, and I'm paraphrasing, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if you need to fact check me. No, we live in a day of fact checkers. Um, but Paul, and, and I'm paraphrasing, said, hey, if you're saved, you're going to have new attitudes, new actions, and new desires. In other words, there's going to be some proof. Okay, now, James says in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26, he said, if you're saved, there's going to be some works. In other words, there's going to be proof. They're saying the same thing. And then you have somebody that says, well, what did Jesus say? Well, Jesus said what they said because all Scripture is inspired of God, 2 Timothy 3, 16. But if you so will and need that reassurance, Jesus said the same thing. Jesus said, blessed are those that hear my word and keep it. <laughs> and keep it. Uh, in other words, their faith is produced, or excuse me, proven by works. Well, Jesus also said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Okay, here's faith and works. Faith is, uh, I claim to love Jesus. That's, that's a profession of faith, not necessarily real faith. A possession of faith, the real McCoy says, I love Jesus and therefore I obey him. Do you see how that works? Let me remind you in the words of the late, great Dr. R.C. Sproul, nobody was ever saved by a profession of faith, but only by a possession of faith. And so I want to put it in a pithy way to help you, and that's this. A dead faith is no faith at all. And so all that's been introduction. Now let's read the text. 2 Timothy 2, 14 and following. What does it profit, my brethren, 
If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? Should Could read and should read, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and be filled, but you do not give him the things which are needed for the body, what is it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And James says, and I love this, because James is kind of sarcastic, man. I mean, he, he he's kind of a smart aleck. I like it. James says, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God? And everybody's like, yeah, that's right. We, we believe in God. And he said, well, that's cool. You do well. Even the demons believe. James says, oh, you, you think you have good theology? So do the demons. <laughs> you see, it's, it's, the, the issue is, did your faith make that journey from the head to the heart? That's the issue. Now I'm getting ahead of myself. And tremble, verse 20. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith... I thought you weren't supposed to call people names, Pastor. Well, James did. O foolish man, that faith without works is dead. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith has made him perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Thus concludes chapter 2. So a dead faith is no faith at all. Now James is a very practical letter and he's a very practical preacher. He lays this concept out by explanation and then by illustration and then by conclusion, much like a sermon. It is a sermon. In verses 14 through 20, and I'm, I'll repeat these as we go, he says, in verses 14 through 20, it says, A dead faith is no faith at all by explanation. He explains the concept. In verses 21 through 25, he says, A dead faith is no faith at all by illustration. He uses Abraham and Rahab as an illustration. And then finally, in verse 26, a dead faith is no faith at all by conclusion. He made his point. He gave an illustration to enable us to understand his point. And then he concludes his point and lays the facts on the table. Faith without works is dead. Or as I like to say, it's fake. It's not real faith at all. It's just mere intellectual ascension. What do I mean by intellectual ascension? You believe in God. Okay, cool. Everybody in hell does too. Faith without works is dead. Now, verses 14 through 20, a dead faith is no faith at all by explanation. James begins, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Notice James did not say that the person in question has true faith but that he says he has faith. Don't miss that. James is not saying that the person actually possesses faith, but that he professes 
faith. He goes on to give an example of a person who professes faith in Christ but ignores those who in, in need whom he is able to help. So he concludes, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. A dead faith is a fruitless faith. And where there is no fruit, there is no root. James continues, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And James says, and I will show you my faith by my works. You see, the works now become the evidence of a genuine faith. Notice he didn't say, I will show you my faith and I will show you my works. He says, I will show you my faith by showing you my works. I will authenticate my faith by manifesting my works because faith produces good works. The root produces the fruit. That is so nice that it must be said twice. The root produces the fruit. I like to say it this way. Saved people like to do saved things. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty simple, ain't it? Christian people act like Christians. Not always. We make mistakes. Uh, nobody's saying suggestion, uh, excuse me, nobody's suggesting perfection, but rather a change of direction. If there's no, but if there's no fruit, then don't tell me you're connected to the root. Because if you believe that, I've got ocean property, oceanfront property in Arizona I'd like to sell you in the words of the great theologian George Strait. And so we see that. Now, did Jesus agree with this theology? Of course he did. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. The test of love is not saying but showing. Perhaps someone says, I love Jesus, but they live their life according to their own will and not according to his words. We, this is the biggest problem with Western Christianity, and it is a cancer that we see pervading all over. I believe it's more seen in the contemporary megachurch movement, but I believe it also takes root in all flavors of churches. I love Jesus because I like to listen to Hillsong. And I said this prayer when I was five. But I constantly drop the, drop the F-bomb on social media. I abuse alcohol on the weekends. I'm a fornicator. I do what I want to. I believe a woman has a right to kill her own child in the womb. But don't judge me because I like to listen to Hillsong in my car. And I said a prayer when I was five. Ladies and gentlemen... These individuals, and, and you can say I'm judging, I'm not. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. I, I'm actually not the judge. Jesus is. I just agree with him. <laughs> you know, it's not a matter of judgment. I just agree with what he said. Jesus has a strong word for individuals of that notion, and it goes like this. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And I'm going to give you the Campabella translation I don't uh, tote it, but I sometimes quote it, as I heard one preacher say. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I ain't got a clue who you are. You claim to know me, but I have no idea who you are. That's, that's the sad part. 
They live their life according to their own will, not according to His Word. They rarely darken the doors of a local church. Their Bible collects dust. Their sin doesn't bother them at all. Yet all the while they profess faith without showing the proof of good works. And James says, not so fast. Pump the brakes. That kind of faith will not save you because James is inferring, just like he goes on to infer in chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, I think, that the world's wisdom is no wisdom at all. He says this dead faith is no faith at all. Repentance renders proof. And it leads to change. I want to strip away all false assurance is what James is saying. As Dr. Havner said it like this one time, I came to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. If you are basing your salvation on the simple fact that you agree in your mind God exists, you have come up woefully short because do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Now, wait a minute. Is James saying that we have to work to be saved? Well, Paul didn't say that. Hold on a second. Is there a contradiction? Not at all. For true belief in the biblical definition is not something that's just mental, but something that is spiritual. The problem is we like to quote Paul in Ephesians 2, but we don't like to read the rest of the work, where, the rest of the verse where he says this. For we are his workmanship, don't miss this, created in Christ Jesus, don't miss this, for good works. Paul and James don't disagree, my friend. You just didn't read the rest of the passage. Paul agrees with James, and James agrees with Paul, and they both agree with Jesus. And I'm going to put it in plain English. If you're actually saved, it will show. If it doesn't, you're not saved. Now, I'm not trying to be brutal. I'm trying to be biblical. I'm not trying to judge you. God already has done that. And if you don't find yourself in the shelter of the blood of Jesus Christ, and if there's no proof that you're in there, something's wrong. Now, let me tell you the difference between this intellectual ascension that most people confuse with faith. Suppose I looked at the chair I'm sitting in right now, and I said, that's a chair. I know it's a chair. I can see that it's a chair. I can even touch it and tell you that it's a chair. Is that faith? No. That is simply an intellectual agreement to a statement of fact that that is a chair. Faith is when I sit down in the chair and trust it to hold me up. Believing in God... Repeating a mindless prayer because somebody told you to. Believing that the Bible is true. That's not faith. That's intellectually assenting to a statement of fact. Faith is when you repent and trust in Jesus and give him your life. And it's evidenced by the fact that you're willing to sit in the chair which is Jesus. Now, don't tell me that illustration didn't make sense because that's about as simple as it gets. Now we move on to James' illustration. So we see that a dead faith is no faith at all by explanation, verses 20 through 24. And then in verse, excuse me, I'm sorry, uh, verses 14 through 20. 
And now we see in verses 21 through 25 that a dead faith is no faith at all by illustration. Now, just like a good preacher, James has made his point. Now he offers Old Testament illustrations. He starts with Abraham. He says, Abraham sacrificed his son Isaac. Now, that story takes place in Genesis 22. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 2, God told Abraham, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So God gave Abraham a command. Now, the Bible also says in Genesis 15, 6, that, and he believed in the Lord, and it was accounted to him or credited him for righteousness. Okay, well, what is James' point? Notice the faith came before the works. I love that. When the Holy Spirit showed me that, I almost cut a backflip. He had faith in Genesis 15, and then he proved it by his works in Genesis 22. Real faith always precedes real works. Man, I, God is so good. I, I just got to praise him for a moment. Excuse me. Now, well, what's the James's point? James's point is very simple, if you think. Abraham had faith, and he proved his faith by trusting God to offer Isaac. James is not saying his work of offering Isaac saved him. Please, go back and read the text. I mean, at some point, uh, common sense has to come into play. Let me read it for you, because I don't want you to get this confused. He offered his son on the altar, verse 22. Do you see that faith was working together with his works and his faith was made perfect, complete? Verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled, which said Abraham believed God and accounted him for righteousness. How was it fulfilled? When Abraham proved his faith by his actions, saved people prove their salvation by their actions. Real people that are tied to the root produce fruit. Save people like save stuff. Real faith produces real works. How many different ways can I say it until somebody gets the picture? That's illustration one. Illustration two, I'm running out of time here. I just looked at my clock. He goes on to Rahab. He says, likewise, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? Well, I don't know. Was she? He's referring to the story in Joshua chapter 2 when Rahab hid the spies uh, because she believed the judgment of God was coming and she asked to be spared. Now, how was she demonstrating faith? Because she really believed the judgment of God was coming and she really believed that the God of Israel was not to be trifled with and she proved it by saying, listen, uh, I'm going to hide you guys because I know that your God is about to dump the bucket of wrath on this nation, and I'm going to hide you and prove my faith in that fact by hiding you and then in turn asking you to protect me. It's actually a picture of salvation, and, and really the way in which it's a picture of salvation warrants an entire sermon by itself, but we don't have that kind of time. And so finally we come to verse 26 where he says, listen, I've given you my explanation, my illustration. Here's my conclusion. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. James has made his point. He's given two illustrations and finally gives the conclusion that a faith that doesn't produce works is not real. It's dead. It's fake. What's another analogy for lost people in the Bible? 
dead people being dead in trespasses and sins. Please see the biblical theology that James does not disagree with Paul. He says the same daggum thing, just from a different angle. Why? Because Paul was writing to Gentiles who had no background, and James was writing to Jews, many of which, not all, but many of which trusted in their Jewishness and their Old Testamentness to save them. James and Paul said the same thing, but they had two different audiences. And sometimes when you have a different audience, you have to change the way you say something in order for them to understand it. And preachers know what I'm talking about. When I go and I preach to a, a, a group of people that I know have a robust theological background, I'm not going to use the same words I use when I preach to a group of people who I know are young in their faith. Why? Because that would be stupid. That's why. Uh, did not Paul say it's better to speak a few words that are understandable? I mean, I, I've got an earned D-men from Liberty and expository preaching and teaching. I can start throwing out the $45 words. They used to be $20 words, and then Biden caused inflation to go up. I can do that, but that's pointless. And so in the same way, James and Paul, yeah, they're saying the same thing, but they realize because they have a different audience, they have to say it a different way. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible agrees with the Bible. Nevertheless, he says, hey, You'll never see a dead man drive a car. You'll never see a dead man get up and go to work. So a dead faith doesn't produce works, and therefore a dead faith is no faith at all. Don't miss that. We cannot argue or debate this point this morning. James gave a clear explanation, illustration, and conclusion. This is not rocket science. Paul said it this way, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Jesus said it this way, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he also said, blessed is everyone who hears and K-E-E-P-S keeps my words. And finally, James said it this way, Faith without works is dead. Different words, but the same point, and that is this. If you are truly saved and your faith is real, there will be evidence. If there is no evidence of fruit, then there is no root. A dead faith is no faith at all. And we better take the advice of Peter, who said to examine ourselves, to make our election sure, when we read James, because there is the danger of professing faith without possessing faith. You say, are you trying to make me doubt my salvation? Maybe. Do you need to? A dead faith is no faith at all. God bless you. Keep digging in the book of James.